You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Good morning, Giants fans, and welcome to a Friday edition of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. The Cranky Fan is <laughs> sick. Um, it's Thursday morning before I clock in for work. I actually have to go to the office today, so this is this is going to be a short one here. Shorter one than has been. It's just me, and I don't want to bore you all to tears with my voice. Um, Cranky Fan was very confident that he would be able to go... Wednesday night for an episode, and um, he's actually really sick. And three of my friends have COVID, so I'm I'm hoping he's okay. But let's um, let's stay a little bit positive and immediately get negative and talk about the New York Giants and how not good they are and how bad the situation is, pretty much everywhere on this roster. Um, we're gonna talk wide receivers briefly today, and um, I kind of want to focus. On the Giants themselves a little bit, which which really stinks because I wish I wish Cranky Fan were here and it'd be actually a really good conversation. But um, you know, when you look at this team and its deficiencies up and down the roster, it's pretty easy to overlook the wide receiver position as a, I guess, just as a somewhat dire situation. You know, um, and it's easy to overlook that because they spent so heavily on Kenny Galladay and and. Followed it up with drafting Kadarius Tony pretty high. Um, they managed to retain Sterling Shepard. They still have Darius Slayton on his um, rookie deal. But the outlook beyond that, well, first of all, let's let's break that down on its own. Kenny Galladay, you know, whatever we may think of him, is without a doubt coming off of one of the worst years. A, I wonder, I wonder how it ranks. Uh, <laughs> For bad years among highly paid wide receivers, it it if it's not the top, I don't want to see the top. So you know, we, we don't really think Kenny Galladay is that guy that that produced the way that he did um, last year. You know, we we certainly don't think that. Man, doing these episodes in the morning, new experience in this uh, in the new studio. I guess my upstairs roommate is already awake, which I did not expect. Either way. Um, Kenny Galladay is that that big dick alpha wide receiver that we have on this roster, though. So, I mean, I think we all think that. I think that um, we expect big things from him in a better offense, one that utilizes uh, both his skills and Daniel Jones' skill set a lot better um, and working him down the field into contested situations, uh, you know, throwing some 50-50 balls his way, pressing the field deep, using him in the red zone a little bit more efficiently, um, and we expect that, but there's other concerns with Kenny Galladay to begin with. I mean, even when he was signed, there was some reservation among Giants fans. I mean, he certainly has a detailed injury history. They, it was like a three-day courting experience to sign the guy. I guess where they had to sign off on a hip or a knee or whatever. Um, so you know, stats aside and last year's issues aside, there are still concerns with Kenny Galladay. And on top of that, is a lot of fucking money. 20 if, if he's not going anywhere for this year right because the dead the ted, ted cap is 10 million dollars more than the actual cap hit 
But I mean, the cap hit is a consistent $21 million over the next three years. Um, it's possible that they can get out of this contract in 2024. I, I guess it's possible next year. Um, they'd only save $10 million by cutting him, and I, I think he's more than $10 million talent. It's probably better better served to keep it when they have plenty of cap space next year anyway. But 2024 seems like a a likely potential out there where they can just kind of nix that contract and, and continue the Joe Shane vision of this team and, and the full rebuild that we're hoping that this is. Again, you know, all indications are that this is a 100% reset, but so much depends on the quarterback and and everything there so we'll, we'll see what happens here and hopefully you know the timetable is nice and long for joe shane to take a steady approach to fixing this team but but kenny galladay is is you know probably the everything i just said there was laced with negativity and uh probably the most positive outlook i can have right now Kadarius tony uh yeah i would like to have a bigger sample size to give you a better review of what to expect from him but we don't have that as giants fans you know he's Someone who came along slowly at Florida and developed into a wide receiver uh, from just a really athletic, fast guy, former quarterback too, um, you know. And it it took until that Kyle Trask offense year to really be able to showcase his talents. Um, but he has a detailed injury history as well. Um, but he has that big playability. But he's also he's going to be on a rookie contract. So if he starts living up to the expectations, we're going to have to start talking about extensions anyway. But he signed through 2024, um, and he's he's going to stay there should everything else work out um, with I guess potential off the field things. Um, I don't really think there's a whole lot there, but we'll see as the time comes. I could I could see it developing into a situation where potentially he has moved on from, but. Right now, I'm. I think he's fine, um, but getting on the field is a problem. Uh, it seems that maybe the coaching staff in the prior regime was not as enthralled with either his abilities or work ethic or something, because it did take a long time to get him on the field. And then as soon as he was on the field, it it almost seemed like this is where he belongs. Why did it take so long to get here? What were we trying to develop out of this kid? That, that you didn't want to put him on the field. I don't understand. And they still didn't really put him in situations where he could succeed. A lot of very obvious, this is going to Tony, and everyone crashes down on him, or he was just kind of a distraction. But that whole offense was a damn mess anyway. But anyway, he signed through 2024. And if he ends up panning out into the talent that we think he is, then we're going to have to make a decision on whether we're keeping him and spending a lot of money or letting him go. And I don't really think that there's an in-between. I don't think there's a whole lot of... I don't think there's a whole lot of scenarios where he's re-signed on a fair deal. I think he's going to be a boomer bust prospect. I just think that's always who he was, um, and he might just end up, yeah, he might just end up fizzling out the NFL level. We'll see. Um, Darius Slayton is probably the next one. You know, here only signed through this year. Had a promising start uh, with Daniel Jones in okay second year and then just kind of dropped off the face of the earth. But a lot of that, I think, also has to do with the way the offense was structured and the changeover into Jason Garrett's offense. You know, I don't want to belabor the point and just bash Jason Garrett because it's a worthless waste of my breath and I have to go to work. There's more important things I could be doing than talking about that man. But uh, just just the scheme in general just doesn't really utilize what Darius Slayton does well, and that's just getting deep, getting vertical. Um, so we'll see how he bounces back this year, but it's been a while since we can look back and say that Darius Slayton had a good game or that he was in any way a factor. So it may be that he just lives up to his fifth-round, sixth-round draft stock, 
we'll see. It certainly looked like he was a steal to begin with, and I think that a better offense can better utilize his talents. I think that's kind of the way the NFL is trending now, is building your offense around the talent that you have and getting them into spaces and, and things like that. You don't need the elite wide receivers, and I'll get into that a little bit as, as we keep going. Beyond that, um, oh, and also, he's so cheap. $2.5 million. I mean, I guess I could see them shaving because the dead cap hip is only 60 k but... We're already talking this is our third wide receiver. We're going to cut for cap savings. Fourth wide receiver, Sterling Shepard. I, I am not expecting anything from him. I am just going into this year thinking that he's going to be the veteran presence in the locker room. And any on-field production I get from him, especially early on, is bonus material. I, I'm, I'm fairly shocked that, A, Joe Shane was able to... Uh, I guess I'm only a little shocked that he was able to retain him and keep him here. Um, but I'm fairly shocked that he wanted to. Uh, I guess maybe he just kind of looked at the wide receiver group this year and thought, let's just get some bodies here. The same way he did with offensive line, and we'll supplement as we can. Beyond that, C.J. Board, Robert Foster, Colin Johnson, all $1 million receivers, all pretty much probably worth that. C.J. Board's more of a special teams guy, but I think he's undervalued as a possession receiver. He also has extremely, extremely – he might be the fastest guy on the team, him and Adoree Jackson – uh, so he's not worthless, and I think that he can he can contribute more than I think people give him credit for. I think he gets logged as the special teams guy because that's where he shines, and that's where Joe Judge liked to play him. But I think he's more than that. Uh, Robert Foster, I don't think as much of anything. Colin Johnson's a big body with some speed, and that's about it. All of those guys, including Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, those last five guys I mentioned are only signed through this year, and that's your wide receiver group, Giants fans. That's it. So the wide receiver group is a lot like the way the offensive line is structured. You need multiple people there. They need to be different kinds of guys. And um, right now the Giants have two locked up there. One is probably more of a stopgap. One is more, they're both question marks. Let's put it that way. Um, and they're going to need to, so, so they've just kind of thrown bodies at it for this year, and they'll just start adding to it as they can. And the good news here is that much like interior offensive linemen, wide receivers, talent can be found in the middle rounds of the draft. We don't need to be getting, I, I guess to continue this awful metaphor, the Andrew Thomas of wide receivers. You know, we don't need to be, filling up this room with first round picks over the next couple of years would be nice but I think I think that there's a lot more bust potential there uh, than there is in the middle rounds you know I, I'd rather sacrifice those middle picks you know accumulate a bunch of middle picks as we trade assets off trade back in the draft or, or what have you um, accumulate middle picks and take chances on wide receivers there because I think that People overlook wide receivers for a variety of stupid reasons. And I think that also it's... I'm going to come clean here. I hate, I hate watching wide receiver film. Part of it is because I don't think I'm very good at it. Um, so take the next portion of this episode with a grain of salt. But it's it's difficult to judge wide receivers that play in run-heavy offenses or have terrible quarterbacks. I mean, it's... There very well may be some guys on here that are far better than the way I have them graded just because they get so few opportunities to showcase their talents. I mean, there's only so many reps I can look at how well the, the guy catches the ball. Um, you know, I, I'm going to 
mention him later, but Bo Melton, I mean, until this, I, I would have never considered him even at all if he weren't at the Senior Bowl. And that is, it, it's a good thing. It, this is why the Senior Bowl is a good thing, but you get the point here. Um, so giving chances to guys who are from smaller schools that display the traits, um, you know, I think also we're in a league that values a lot less physicality and a lot more speed um, and getting guys into opportunities where they can get into, I guess you can manufacture separation in ways where you scheme it out or stack guys up and get them free releases and let them just utilize, you know, maybe he has decent hands, he's slight of frame, but he has some elite speed and quickness. He's going to get jammed at the line of scrimmage. You find ways to get him so that he doesn't get jammed at the line of scrimmage and just let him cut loose, and that's his role, and you've only spent a fourth-round pick on or whatever. You know, I think there's ways that you can build a roster filled with guys like that and and get a winnable team. I don't think you need four Odell Beckham Juniors on your team to to have a prolific offense. And I think and I hope that the theme for this year is going to be building that prolific offense. That doesn't necessarily mean drafting wide receiver, though. So um, let's jump into what the draft has in store for us. <sighs> Last one, guys. Last one before draft week. Anyway, let's get into the draft stuff here. Okay. Um... I think it was Daniel Jeremiah. I don't know. Somebody made waves early by mocking Drake London from USC to the New York Giants um, with all the other needs on this team. And uh, Giants fans uh, kind of got in his face. And uh, rightfully so. This would be this would be a wild pick. But Drake London very much deserves to be in the first round. But I, I also don't think he's top 10 talent. He's really good. But... Um, He's built kind of the way you want your, your alpha wide receiver to be, 6'4", 219. Um, he runs like he was born running. Like, it's just so second nature to him, the way he runs routes. Um, excellent ability to stop and start and stop on a dime. Um, very, very crisp in and out of his breaks on the route. He looks very comfortable running routes. Um, where he really shines, in my opinion, is catching the ball. Uh, effortless hands catcher, long arms to to allow for wide catch radius. He works the sideline with his feet really well. And then I think he has really strong hands and, and that plus length to help him win those contested catches as well. I think he's also really good in the open field. He, I mean, the, the speed can't be denied, but he also has a surprising ability to shed tackles with ease. He's got this really nice sudden jump cut. And he's actually a pretty solid run blocker too. You know, these bigger guys, I like to see that. Drake London, I would suppose, is is not an. It's not a totally insane idea to draft if they've traded down out of seven into the teens. Um, I don't think it would be the best way to address the the team here, and I don't think it's the best uh, draft value really for this team. You'd be taking a guy like that, but his impact on the offense would be uh, immediate. It would be astounding. Uh, it would help them get out of the Kenny Galladay contract a little bit sooner, perhaps. Uh, you know, which might open them up to doing a whole bunch of other things. I don't think that's totally insane. Uh, what I think would be a little bit smarter if they wanted to go that route would be to head towards Christian Watson from North Dakota State. Now he was at the Senior Bowl, so I have a little bit of bias here, but not really uh, because. 
you know, I didn't watch wide receivers and DBs day one. I, I focused on the trenches day one. And, you know, people were telling me, like, oh, this Christian Watson guy, he, he really shines and whatever. And this is the perfect opportunity for a guy like that to shine. Again, um, North Dakota State guy. I never would have expected a North Dakota State guy to shine anything. And I, I was skeptical even, even after hearing all this stuff. But to me, uh, Christian Watson is the unpolished Drake London. And uh, I think you can polish the things with him. He seems like a super hard worker. I mean, he's similar size, 6'4", 208. I mean, it's like a 10-pound difference between the guys. Um, I think he's a lot faster. Um, he ran a 4.36 on official 40. Um, but it's, I guess so did everybody, right? Um, but I think that he can develop a lot of the traits that are not as refined for him, maybe based on where he went to school. By the way, watching his tape, super annoying. Um, but he's really good off the line. The one thing where you you, you see the, the jump right off the tape is the speed. The speed is outrageous. Uh, it's really evident on the field. He gets to his top speed in the hurry when he needs to. He's going to test guys deep. Um, I think he also... He uses his length and his leaping ability to his advantage really well. I think he could work on some of that. Some of his high point timing seems a little off. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with quarterback play, you know, <laughs> opportunities to work on shit like that. He, he, this is a guy that needs reps, and I think the Senior Bowl was a really good place for him to display that he has abilities outside of the, the conference division he was playing in. Um, and with good throws he can do a lot more and even against good dbs um i i I like him in the open field as well i think he has some physicality to break some tackles he could he could keep adding some moves to his elusiveness in the open field the speed is unreal it really is and and it's really evident there especially i guess maybe it's unreal because it doesn't look natural for a guy to be six four and that goddamn fast but uh, i really like christian watson i think he is first round oh dang I think here we go. Here's here's my uh, here's my my first rounders here. I think he's first round talent. Um, I think he'll go that high too. I think uh, it might be in the later rounds there where I would normally dub them as one two, but I think he's got the ability to develop the things that he can't do right now and the things that he can do you can't teach. Um, and he certainly seems like a hard worker. I would prefer Christian Watson over. Uh, I don't want to say that. Um, in terms of draft value, I would prefer Christian Watson over Drake London. If the, the, the wide receiver may seem like a luxury pick here, but uh, this year, but it's really not. Um, it's only a luxury pick, really high up, which is what I'm talking about right now. Uh, moving into the later parts of the first round here, where it could slip into the second, there's a cluster of guys here. I have them rated lower than I think everybody else. I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not really as good with the wide receiver tape as everyone else really and I, I fully admit that so whatever but I, I think Jahan Dotson sticks out a little bit more uh, in this cluster here um, I've seen him mocked a lot lower I can understand it um, this is not the same kind of guy at all uh, 5'11 178 still really fast though um, I really like his uh, sudden burst in and out of his breaks uh, I think it's electric I think he is really really sharp getting out of his breaks um i think he has the big time top speed and he gets into his speed in a pretty in in a hurry too and that's that's really important for me uh there are guys that can run really fast but it takes them so long to build up that speed that it it's a lot less effective than the guys that can just like kind of control their speed 
it's really insane when you watch some of these guys, the way that they can just turn on and off different speeds. Um, and Jahan Dotson, I think, is one of them. I think he has some really nice ball skills. I think for the 5'11 body he has, he uses the full extension really well. I think he has some strong hands. Um, but I think strength in general, physicality with him is going to be a little bit of an issue. I think he can get bumped off of his routes a little bit. Um, I think he can lose contested catches a lot. Um, but, you know, I think there's ways that you can kind of scheme around stuff like that. The speed is deadly, uh, and he's really good in the open field as well. So I, I think that there's there's a lot there, and I, I value a lot of the being bumped off of your route um, I think is becoming a lot less of an issue as the rules change in this league and, and as schemes work around stuff like that where we have more athletes than we do true wide receivers or, or I guess whatever. Um, moving into the second round here, um, I really like Alec Pierce um, out of Cincinnati. He's another senior bowl guy, but that's not really where... Um, I mean, I, I watched him before I went down there, and I was impressed with him immediately. Played with that Cincinnati team that was, you know, national championship worthy, uh, or at least in consideration. Whatever. Um, 6'3", 4'4", runner, uh, 211 pounds. He's got the nice frame. I really like um, a lot of what Alec Pierce does. And for for the 6'4 guy, I think he works the underneath stuff actually pretty pretty damn well. Uh, I like the way he attacks the ball out of the air. I think he snatches it really well. Um, he catches in stride really well. Um, I do think that he can jump for no reason, which pisses me off, but it, so many guys do that. I, I can't I can't make that a major negative no matter how much it pisses me off. Um, he's got a huge catch radius, and he flashes his hands really quickly. Um, I, I, I think that he's... Fantastic. Um, I've been high on him for a while. I'm seeing him slowly climb up draft boards into about where I where I felt he belonged for a while now. Um, I think that there's plenty on tape for that. I don't think the Senior Bowl really needed to happen for him to showcase himself, but he, he certainly showed up well there. Um, I like his body control along the sideline as well. I think he works that pretty well. But, you know, for a big guy, I think he works all three levels of the field really, really well. I have a second-round grade on him. I think that there's still uh, some things he can work on. Um, and I think that there's – I know he ran a 4-4. He's certainly very fast. But I, on film, I think there's an evident drop-off in speed between guys like Christian Watson and, and him. There are some physical things that he can't do. Um, but, I mean – I think he could easily slip into the first round here. Um, a lot of people are really into this Sky Moore kid from Western Mission, and I can see why. Um, he's a 5'10 guy, 195. He's going to need some refining. He's going to be another one of those small school guys like Christian Watson. Uh, it's you know no fault of his. He's got good shifty feet. Um, he can stumble a little bit though. You know I think I think his footwork could use some work. You know you, you see it a lot when he's trying to break jams too. Um, and, and not that he doesn't do a good job of breaking jams. It's, it's coming out of that, though. He can kind of trip himself up um, and allow defenders to catch up with him. And, you know, moving up to the NFL level from Western Michigan, um, those defenders are going to be a lot better. They're going to be more physical. They're going to have better makeup speed. They're going to be able to run the route for him. Uh, so he becomes a little tricky for me to, to gauge coming out of Western Michigan. There's not a lot of tape. Again, I hate... Dude, it's a lot of clicking through film where there's just no targets. There's some teams that just don't even throw the friggin' ball. Um, 
Um, the you know what I was saying before about guys who have speed variances. Um, this guy is really fast, but it does feel like he has just one speed. I, he just he runs fast, and it's not overly sudden. He doesn't get to that uh, very quickly or anything like that. He's just you know, average. He, it sounds weird to say that he's average and really fast, but that's kind of kind of how I would I would say it. Um, but I think he's really good at tracking the ball in the air. I think he has good hands to reel them in. I think he can do some really good things in the red zone uh, because he has some really, really good body control. He can twist and adjust mid-flight to make some catches. He lands with pretty disciplined feet. Um, if they can continue to develop they, as in NFL coaching, if they can continue to develop him um, with his footwork underneath, what he does at the top of routes, you know, some underneath routes and stuff like that, I think he can become more and more devastating. And I, I have a second-round grade on Sky Moore. I can see the hype there. Um, for me, it's a lot of upside, though. Um, and I'm not as good at projecting that. I think that those things can all be developed, but uh, we'll, we'll see. And I, I think that he's probably a hungry kid that wants to get better. I'm going to slip into the second and third rounds here, and I am... Th- th- these these last three guys are the guys I'm going to focus on here as we, we drift down to later rounds, and that's because this is kind of where I can kind of see things happening. Um, Calvin Austin. I'm going to mention him mainly because I really like him. Um... He's another one that uh, I did work on before going down to the Senior Bowl and immediately really liked. Like, I was like, whoa, oh my god, this dude is insane. Um, biggest knock on him, though, is going to be the biggest knock anyone can really give is that he's extremely short, 5'8", and that is a problem. Um, and it might be less of a problem than it was 10 years ago. It might be less of a problem than it was 15 years ago. I, I don't know what degree of a problem it is but it is an it is it's an issue and it's always going to be an issue uh so it's about what you can do to make up for it (laughs) um and he does a lot to make up for it and i this is why i think he's legitimate uh up around talent i think he's day two talent uh, despite this massive knock on him and it's a big knock uh five he's not just short he's very short um and it's going to be difficult for him to to throw to sometimes, uh, you know, into the windows. But he does a lot to get separation so that he's not in a lot of one-on-one coverage. He, first of all, he's actually going to be just fine in, in zone coverage. They're not going to be able to attack him in zone because he is just way too short area quick. He's, he's good at finding soft spots. He knows when he's open. Um, he's a very good understanding of football. Uh in man coverage, I mean, the shiftiness is unreal. I mean, the, the quick twitch is, is I mean, I've been, I haven't really been covering the game at, at this level of hyper-focus on individual players for very long, but it's the best I've seen. Um, the end. Uh, it's it's the best I've seen. I mean, the route running ability, to me, is is close to Odell Beckham level, where it's it's that elite. I mean, um, I, guess, I guess it was maybe Sterling Shepard level, but fantastic route running ability really fast top end speed is 4340 and it that's another one that jumps right off the tape you can see it okay this dude's insanely fast but it's quick too i mean he gets into that speed very very fast he gets out of that speed very very fast he knows how to shake defenders how to manipulate them in the way he runs without having to get into physical situations he gets open and he stays open um it he actually also 
makes up for his height by having just good body control. He has a good understanding of his body. He has a good um, ability to control his body in the air to high point catches. You know, he is, he makes the most out of the catch radius that he was born with. I, I guess I can say it that way. So it's not as if he is the 5'8 target only. I mean, he has some decent leaping ability. He's, he's pretty good at timing his jumps, um, and he snatches the ball out of the air really well. Um, but he's always going to struggle struggle against any press man situation. He's not going to be able to play on the outside, I don't think, in any capacity, unless there's some scheme variant to get him on the outside halfway through the route or something like that. But, um, you know, the, the, the deficiencies are pretty obvious. I don't really think they need to be documented too much. Um, but I would I would wholly welcome Calvin Austin. And again, um, I, every time I rave about this guy, uh, I'll, I'll see one or two things that are just like uh, just like another slot receiver for this team it's like i don't know man uh i think this team needs talent period uh and i don't think it needs to be relegated to an outside receiver i think that this team has wide receiver issues for years to come all over the place so i don't think that i mean like i said i'm also not expecting anything from sterling Shepard this year yeah other than than showing up to work every day because that's the kind of guy he is uh so I, I mean, if Calvin Austin becomes the new Sterling Shepard, is that really a problem that we have Sterling that Sterling Shepard light and Kadarius Tony working underneath? Uh, Kadarius Tony also has ability to go deep as well and and play on the outside with Kenny Galladay. I don't think that's a problem at all. I don't know why people would be upset about that. I don't think we need to have two Kenny Galladays and a Kadarius Tony. I mean, it would certainly help. I wouldn't be opposed to that either. But I don't think there's any issue with obtaining a Calvin Austin other than blowing your draft stock on him. Um, he might be being considered too high. And and that's that's fine if they don't want to spend on a wide receiver in the in the second uh, on day 2, they don't want to do that. I would understand that. But they have some they have some additional picks. He might slip because of his size. I don't think he should be overlooked because of his size. I also don't think NFL scouts are overlooking him because of his size. The more likely rounds, I could see the Giants really loading up on a couple wide receivers, mainly due to other positions of need and just the fact that they probably have a serviceable roster for right now or whatever. They can just kind of cut some depth-level guys, some developmental guys or something like that. John Mechie from Alabama, I kind of like on day three, early day three. Um, He could be a day two guy, though, but I have him pegged as a fourth-round guy. 5'11", 187. Um... I, I think he has some nice moves in his route. I think he has fluid bends, some cutting ability that's crisp, uh, but not overly sudden. Speed feels above average. He's not going to burn anybody, but uh, I think he's got some solid hands on him. He can he can sometimes trap against his body, which pisses me off. Um, and I, I think he might have issues catching in stride. I don't know if that is necessarily always on him, but uh, it might be that his his timing on his timing routes are not is, is not as good as it should be. Um. I don't think he's going to win too many contested catches. I don't think he's going to be that guy. Um, I also don't really love him in the open field. I don't think he's a get-the-ball-in-his-hands-no-matter-what kind of dude. Um, I think he might try to do a little too much. I might think I think he thinks he's maybe a little more athletic than he actually is. He's not really going to just blow things up once the ball's in his hands. I don't think he's really like you know, that guy that you... You just like, put the ball in his hands, throw a screen, let him run. You know, he's got some jukey moves, some shiftiness, but I, I think he's not nearly as athletic as he thinks he is. Where he's just gonna juice through um, NFL NFL DBs. 
Um, but maybe he, maybe he can develop some of that stuff. I mean, he's not he, he's an athletic guy. He's fast. He's he's pretty good. I I, I would welcome John Mechie from Alabama here. Um, I'm going to end this on Bo Melton from Rutgers, uh, another guy trapped in Jersey, born to run, Bruce Springsteen. All those other jokes the Cranky fan would have made just then. Um, this is a dude that where, where the, the senior bowl was absolutely huge for him because watching his tape is about as frustrating as slowly driving a nail between my eyeballs um, with a tack hammer. It is so frustrating to watch a dude with this kind of talent just stuck in a run-heavy offense with an awful quarterback and just a terrible team. Um, 5'11", 189. He's a more slight guy, uh, but he also runs a 4'340". The speed jumps right off, but he also has some really, really nimble, shifty feet. Uh, I think the way that he runs his routes is very methodical. I think it's impressive. He's got efficient feet off the line of scrimmage to help him get into relief, uh, get, get out of get out of the route release. Um, and I think he has some good moves at the top of his route as well. He's very refined in the way that he runs. I don't think that there's a whole lot more that you're going to be able to coach him other than I think he understands it. So as you introduce new concepts that maybe he doesn't know, I think he'll pick up on it pretty quickly, know how to work on it on his own uh, or with, with his own trainers or with teammates or whoever to incorporate it into his game. I think he'll, he'll take the coaching pretty well there because I don't think you get to be as efficient and methodical as he has uh, without really taken to good coaching. Um, I think where he's maybe a little bit less um, impressive is catching the ball. I, I think he works his way back to the ball well. I think he has some some smooth hands and stuff like that. But just And I think he catches in stride pretty well. But his catch radius is average. I think his leaping and his high-pointing ability leaves a lot to be desired. I think he can work on that. Um, his body control was pretty good, um, but it's not overly great along the sidelines or anything like that. And I think he's going to struggle with contested catches. And I think sometimes he struggles just with tight window catches, just difficult catches I think are just drops for him. Um, I don't think it needs to be directly in his breadbasket every time, but the further away from the breadbasket you get with him, the more likely he's going to drop it um, at an accelerated rate more than other wide receivers. I'm not just saying obvious things here. Um and, and that's going to be an issue of contention for him. I think he needs to sit and work with the jugs machine. I think, I think honestly, what Bo Melton needs is reps. Um, and I think that because of just the worthless film on him, uh, I think because of the senior bowl, he's worked his way into day three conversations a little bit more than he might have been a completely undrafted free agent. Um, uh, but because of his worthless film, I think that... Uh, he's still going to be available super late. And I think that he would be somebody... I Look, I'm going to value route runners over measurables any day of the week. Uh, I think that that's the NFL game now. I think that if you had a team of one six two guy and then four six foot guys that are all really good route runners i think that you have enough there to to win really well uh route running and catching ability to me i'll take over the the, the big tall strong guy every time now uh i think there's a lot less contested catch situations i think a lot of times i think you play for the flag a lot now in, in the nfl the way it, it works um take advantage of the the league rules and uh, you know, utilize speed to play for the flag. Utilize separation, cutting ability, uh, suddenness, and in and out of your your breaks, um, and and draw flags or 
you know, get open. You know, it's one of those two things. You either have that physical corner that's going to be kind of grabby or they're going to be just as athletic and be able to hang with you. And I think there's a lot less of those guys playing DB right now than there are playing wide receiver. We'll see in the coming years if that shifts with the way um, athletes develop. But with the way the rules are, I seriously doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, these guys are going to continue to want to make their money being the guy catching the ball. We did it. We did it. This is this is the end. This is the last position group here. We're going to get started next week. I'm really hoping the cranky fan is is not 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 for the sake of the show, but for the, for his sake that he's that he's feeling better. But the plan right now is to have episode on Monday, uh, going over the draft in general, recapping what the Giants' needs are and and, and the major prospects to look out for. Um, what the rest of the league, what the rest of the division might be might be doing that affects the way the Giants are. And then on Wednesday, we're going to focus really, really heavy. There'll be a Wednesday morning episode where we talk very, very first round specific. Um, stay tuned to follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at the cranky fan. We'll be doing some things outside the scope of this channel, joining other channels, joining other shows for draft stuff. So follow us on Twitter for information on that as it comes up in the coming days. Um, and as always, please listen, subscribe, tell a friend, uh, whatever. We, we worked really, really hard on this draft content. I hope that it pays off. I hope that a lot of the research that we've done uh, for these episodes will come in handy on draft night and uh, allow us to jump right into some analysis of who the, the future Giants are. Um, podcast obviously found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, you know, SoundCloud, anywhere where there's audio podcast and of course on youtube where it's usually better viewed because you can see the cranky fans superior uh it's skin tone my, my pale ass um whatever this is running on too long uh we will see you guys next week enjoy your weekend happy draft week go giants